Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. Hi, Janet. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm a little good. sad that technology is not on our side today, so well, you're on the phone as we used to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we're going back old school. Absolutely. So today we're talking about one of my favorite movies of all time, pretty much, which is The Royal Tenenbaums, uh, Wes Anderson's third movie, I believe. And Janet, this was your selection, so you want to tell us why you picked it? I can't believe that this movie celebrated its 20th anniversary this year. Yeah. That's wild. That is. So the reason that I selected this movie, uh, I recently read an article in Vulture from 2013. So apparently when they were casting this film, Wes Anderson wrote this uh, movie with Owen Wilson. And he wrote a part specifically with Gene Hackman in mind for casting. And apparently Gene Hackman was extremely difficult to work with when he was filming and he was very cantankerous. I think that's actually a really nice word to use but anyway uh i didn't realize that there was like this whole backstory with gene hackman and that he really caused a lot of friction during filming and so i was reading this and just reading you know what the other actors had to say about gene hackman and sort of the whole experience of it i just thought to myself wow i really want to cast him out of this movie because this was such an excellent role to have someone write a role like this for you expressly and then to sort of just be so awful and nasty and just shit all over the experience and be terrible to the cast and also to Wes Anderson I just thought you know what Gene Hackman can be replaced I mean, (laughs) he's a great actor, of course. He's a fine, excellent actor. But, I mean, he didn't do anything in this role that another fine actor couldn't have done. So that was, wow, I really went on there for like (laughs) 50 minutes. Sorry. Um, But that is why I selected the film, because I decided, you know what? Gene Hackman didn't deserve this role. That's how awful he was. Right during filming. Well, I love that because while this is, I think, an excellent movie, and I do think Gene Hackman is very good in it, I don't think he is integral to the film. I think we can easily replace him and make it better. Well, what's wild is, you know, while I was reading this, just off the top of my head, I thought of two actors that I could easily cast into the role of Royal. And I thought, Screw you, Gene Hackman. Yeah. You're, you're 
being recast. Yeah. I had a list of maybe like five that I then narrowed down to two. So yeah, definitely. There are a lot of people who could do this. Yeah. So that's the long story. That's why I I selected this movie and this role. Okay. So, well, on that, while watching the movie, like usually when we're watching movies for repodcasting, I tend to kind of like skim through the IMDb trivia section. And I had never looked at that section for this movie before. Um, So when I was watching it this time, I did. And a lot of the things said Gene Hackman like he knew he was at the end near the end of his career when he accepted this. And so he was looking for um, something light and fun. And apparently that's what Wes Anderson had promised him, that it would be a fun film to shoot. And it wasn't fun for him. And that's why he was a big old jerk, like, because you're not having fun. I don't know. It just felt so like immature. Well, it's interesting because some of the items that I read, because apparently when they did the 10th anniversary of the film, Wes Anderson was asked about, you know, all of this friction and this whole situation that happened. And he said that one of the reasons that he felt Gene Hackman uh, was very resistant was because they had to pay him scale. Oh, interesting. The money was not there. But as Wes Anderson explained, it was such, I mean, he had like nine big actors. Mm -hmm. He had all these names. So he couldn't possibly pay each of them an exorbitant salary. So he said, you know, the budget just was not there for that. So he said they had to be paid scale. And he said that that was definitely one of the issues that Gene Hackman had or that he suspected that Gene Hackman had. And apparently Gene Hackman also wasn't too thrilled that he was going to have to, like the shooting went on for 60 days Mm -hmm. and Gene Hackman was really annoyed that he was so, you know, he was going to have to work for like two months. Wow. (laughs) Like, Okay. I mean, I understand he was 70 years old at this point, right? Mm-hmm. But then pass on the movie. Right. Like, don't be, you know, so nasty and ghoulish to everyone. I mean, it's just, it really shows that power imbalance, right? Yes. And how you see, like, a lot of these actors. I mean, Wes Anderson was still relatively new in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm, For sure. And, you know, there's that power imbalance and there's almost like an abuse of power. And it's wild that, you know, it seems to be more of, I don't know, I don't think it's a rarity in this business. Yeah. You hear these stories over and over and over and over again. And it's like, I think, this is just the norm and it's kind of disappointing I think yeah when you hear about this I did also read that he was so awful on set that Gwyneth Paltrow and Angelica Houston actually avoided him oh absolutely I mean Gwyneth Paltrow when they did the the 10th anniversary like she said that she was actually scared oh my gosh to work with him and Angelica Houston as well and you have to remember Angelica Houston at this point was, I mean, she was not a novice by any means. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, like, having a coworker 
that you're scared to work with. And like just some of the, the things that Gene Hackman said as well, like he threatened to burn down the set. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's just like you hear all of this. I don't want to go through all of it because we would be here for two hours. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's really curious, like just go over to Google and it's all there. But I mean, he was just awful. Yeah. He was an, just like a bog monster. He was <laughs> abhorrent. The way he he treated Wes Anderson and you know his fellow actors and yeah, it's just really disappointing to read that. Well, I do just want to say one thing to kind of like wrap that up, which is that Wes Anderson has said in interviews that one his one regret of his career was that he could not make the experience more enjoyable for Gene Hackman, which I think is such a, like, I don't know, sweet and maybe diplomatic thing to say that, like, after, you know, he's been treated so poorly by this big buffoon that he says it's his regret that he didn't make it more enjoyable for him, which I it's very sweet. Yeah. So how was the box office for this movie? So the budget was twenty one million. Box office was seventy one million. So it did fairly well. I mean, at the time, it was the highest grossing film that Wes Anderson had made at that time before uh, Grand Budapest took over. That sort of whatever. That's nice to hear. I really, really like this movie. <laughs> so the synopsis is. The eccentric members of a dysfunctional family reluctantly gather under the same roof for various reasons. It is kind of like a hard movie to sum up. (laughs) But anyway, so let's take our first ad break and then we'll come back and let everybody know our choices for recasting. Repodcasting is brought to you by ATB and the future of podcast. Hosted by Todd Hirsch, ATB Financial's vice president and chief economist, the future of podcast has launched its third season. By connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for the things that mean the most to you, the Future Of podcast promises to give you insights to help navigate what is often an uncertain future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. Subscribe to the Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are found, and connect with us at atb.com slash thefutureof. And now back to the show. Okay, Janet, so do you want to start off letting us know who you selected? Sure. So, like I said, I just off the top of my head, I thought of two actors that I would much rather have seen mm-hmm. in the role of Royal and who I think would have done uh, an amazing job, either one of them. My first choice was Paul Newman, hmm. who was still alive. He was like 75 years old at the time. Because remember, this is a 20-year-old movie, right? Sure. So Paul Newman, I think, he was my first choice. I remember thinking, wow, Paul Newman, like, I think he would have been really interesting in this role. And imagine being able to say, like, Paul Newman is in my movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, who cares about Gene Hackman? (laughs) I don't know. That would have been a better get. Yeah. If I was a filmmaker, I'd be like, yeah, Paul Newman. Or I also went with Christopher Plummer, who oh, um, that's a great would line. be about the right age as well. And Christopher Plummer was an amazing actor as well. And I could really 
have seen him in this role. Either Paul Newman or Christopher Plummer, I think, would have done a, a fine job as Royal Tenenbaum. I was Paul Newman acting at that time. Yeah, he was. Oh wow, he absolutely was. He did um, Road to Perdition in two thousand and two. Oh, great! And that was a big budget film. Mm-hmm. So he absolutely was still working and working on large projects. So I mean, this would totally. This is something that. I don't know. I mean, I just find it interesting that he wrote the part for Gene Hackman. I don't know why. Maybe Gene Hackman was someone that he'd always wanted to work with, right? Yeah, it was obviously be. a personal choice for him. Uh, I mean, if he wrote the, the role expressly for him. But I would, if I was a filmmaker, I would much rather have Paul Newman yeah. in my film. He's a legend, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, I mean, even Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Like, they're both legends as far as I'm concerned much more so than Gene Hackman like I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging of Gene Hackman because I think he's an excellent he's a wonderful actor he's a fine actor right he's been around and he's you know and I didn't dislike him as royal but I don't think that he's a singular actor by any means yeah. Right? I don't think, okay, yeah, he had at this point, he already had like, what, two Academy Awards and, you know, and he'd been working in the business a long time. And he, you know, I'm sure he thinks of, or he thought of himself as a legend. At that <laughs> point, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand why you would be like such a super yeah on a film set like when someone has written this part for you and this really know, juicy guess, part I mean, to him he obviously didn't care that the part was written for him it obviously was not you know it wasn't a big deal for him obviously mm-hmm. yeah um you know but yeah i mean i definitely could see paul newman or christopher Plummer. yeah royal I could really see Christopher Plummer. I really like that pick. Because I'll say this. For me, like I noticed it from the first time I saw the movie, but I never thought, oh, he should be recast. But um, I did always think like, man, Royal Tenenbaum is such a creep and such a manipulator, but so transparent about it. Like he comes across as such a dick (laughs) that like it was hard for me to understand why they let him back in their lives and why they give him chances and everything like that. So when I was thinking about recasting, I wanted someone with a little more charisma or charm or, you know, just someone who you can buy that even though they might treat you badly, you're willing to take them back. Like, I don't see that in Gene Hackman and not in his portrayal of Royal. So for me, um, my first choice was Jack Nicholson. He's a little younger than Gene Hackman, like, but five years, six years younger, something like that. And around that time, he had done The Pledge in 2001 and then About Schmidt in 2002. And Jack Nicholson is someone who is very charismatic on screen in pretty much everything he does. So I just felt like, like, even while watching it, once I started thinking about Jack Nicholson and like trying to place him in the role... I just, even in my imagination, (laughs) I was buying it way more. Yeah, of course. Jack Nicholson could play this role. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And then the second person uh, is like maybe a weird choice, but it's Michael Caine. I just would love to hear that British accent in that role. (laughs) And and Michael Caine's amazing, of course, in everything he does. Well, he was actually considered for the role. He was? Yeah, he was. Oh, cool. I didn't see that. Yeah, Michael Caine was considered for it, and so was Gene Wilder. Yes, Gene Wilder I did see, which I thought was really interesting. He would have been good, too. Yeah, like, Gene Wilder, he would have been really zany, I think. Right, yeah. It would have been a pretty different movie. Definitely, yeah. He would have been much more eccentric, Royal would have been. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then Michael Caine around that time was doing Miss Congeniality and then he did a movie called Last Orders in 2001. And then in 2002, he was in Austin Powers in Goldmember. Um, So, yeah, just to kind of like place them in time. And like I was saying, I had a handful of other people who I was like, oh, they could do it. They could do it. They could do it. (laughs) So, yeah. But I do think that like any one of these four not only could do the role, but could do it better than Gene Hackman. Yeah. I didn't realize Gene Hackman is still alive. He's like oh. 91 years old. Wow. Yeah, but I don't think, I don't remember the last time Gene, I saw Gene Hackman in mm. anything. I don't think he's worked for quite some time. But yeah, just hearing the stories uh, that his fellow cast members had to tell, especially when they did the 10th anniversary and they did a 20th anniversary reunion this year as well. I think it was in the summertime I was reading. Oh. But I, they did it over Zoom. Okay. And they tell the stories of Gene Hackman. They almost say it, I don't know, like they tell them in a like a really fond sort of <laughs> way. And I think that's very... I don't know. I feel like actors really protect actors. Right. You know, like it's very rare that actors badmouth one another. It's that type of industry where even if you're awful, for some reason, everyone protects everyone else, which is, you know, why it, I guess, takes so long for certain things to come out. Right. Well, I'll add something to that because I think that's, typical if you're of the male persuasion because but not even like like they were all like even the the males no what i mean is if you're an awful male people will still protect you for some reason but when you always hear about difficult females on set like shannon doherty I remember back in like Beverly Hills 90210 days, her getting fired because she was difficult and having a lot of trouble before she found another job. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know why they're protecting this old fart. He doesn't deserve it. (laughs) I know, like they're, you know, the stories are almost told like as if they're talking about like this, just this grumpy old uncle or whatever and it's like i mean he said some really awful things and it just sounds like he's to me reading the stories it was like he sounded like a child yeah throwing a temper tantrum every single day on set and like just some of the things that he apparently said to wes anderson were just awful yeah like obscene as well like just horribly obscene and it's like that makes for like a very very uncomfortable work situation 
Yeah, I'll say this. If my grandpa threatened to burn the house down, I would not look back on that with fondness. <laughs> I know. And, you know, you have to... I think he was not deserving of the role, definitely. And yeah. what's really interesting is, like, he went on to win awards for his portrayal of Royal. Like, he won a Golden Globe, which doesn't really mean much in, <laughs> in 2021. It doesn't really mean much. Right. But at the time, it was super prestigious, yeah. right? Yeah. And he won a bunch of other awards, like, from critics associations, like the National Society of Film Critics and... You know, it, I mean, overall, like, his performance was definitely praised. And, you know, the film did really well commercially. It, it yeah. did well. And it even got an Oscar nomination for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah, I and think... I mean, sorry, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I think this movie is the one that kind of put Wes Anderson on the map. Because Bottle Rocket, like, nobody really saw it. And then I think Rushmore was critically praised but it wasn't a big hit so this was the one that kind of like made him more of a household name mm-hmm. well I think people sort of started to take notice of his work right I mean certainly I went to see this I remember I went to see this at the movie theater and this was actually the first Wes Anderson film that I ever saw mm-hmm. so for me this was my introduction to his work And, I mean, this is most definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. So, yeah, just to read that. I have a lot of affection for this movie. Mm -hmm. I've watched it numerous times and just really enjoyed this ensemble cast. Like, I thought it was a movie that was very well cast. I really enjoyed it. And then just reading that, it almost sort of casts this, distasteful shadow when mm-hmm. you read all this about Gene Hackman and uh, yeah. too bad. Well, and the cast as a whole was a big draw for me as well, but it's not the Gene Hackman show. Like, it is very much everyone exactly. is really good in it, everyone does their part so well, and the movie works so well because of everybody. Well, absolutely, of course. Gwyneth Paltrow at the time was like, this was when she was like an it. She was the it girl in Hollywood, right? She was a big deal at the time. And Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, I mean, these people were all sort of, were certainly much more popular than Gene Hackman. I know. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to say, personally, I think this is my favorite Gwyneth Paltrow performance of her entire career. Oh, really? Yeah, I would say so. It's not what she won the Oscar for, but... (laughs) So I did read something that I thought was really interesting. Danny Glover, Luke Wilson, and Owen Wilson all turned down parts in Ocean's Eleven to appear in this movie. Really? Yeah. I think they made the right choice, personally, even though I like Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then another thing that I saw that just was, like, weird and interesting is the original hawk that played Mordecai was kidnapped during shooting and held for ransom. And production couldn't wait for him to be returned. So the bird that appears later in the movie is a different bird. And, like, it apparently has more white feathers. And I don't know if that's... Because, like, they comment on the more white feathers quite a bit. So I don't know if it was, like, that was how it was written. Or they added that in because they had to get a different bird. I don't know. But the poor bird. (laughs) Well, initially, that role, the hawk... Mordecai was actually supposed to be a person. Did you read about that? 
Are you making a joke? No, I'm serious. <laughs> okay. Wes Anderson, when he was writing it, uh, they had sort of batted around. Mordecai was actually going to be like a person. It was going to be Jason Schwartzman. What? And he was going to be like this guy named Mordecai, this character named Mordecai who lived across the street from them. But then for some reason that didn't pan out. And so they just decided to get a hawk. (laughs) Because you know what? Let's face it, if you can't have Jason Schwartzman in your movie, then yes, only a hawk (laughs) can, like, take his place. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm high right now. That whole story was so wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. Like, I mean, if you go, if if you Google this and you do, when they did their 10th anniversary, they, you know, all this sort of came out and it's just really interesting. Yeah, the whole process. I just find Wes Anderson really fascinating and really interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. his mind is just (laughs) so wildly creative. And he just comes up with, like, these really sort of unique ideas. And, yeah. But I'll admit, I wish Jason (laughs) Schwartzman was in this. I love him. So. But if he was, then maybe he would have been kidnapped. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a wild ride. I can't believe I never heard that before. Just um, Google it. It's, it's all oh, I will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe you. It's just, that's amazing. I'm totally going to look that up as soon as we're done recording. Um, okay, so those were all the, like, tidbits that I found uh, that I thought were interesting. Oh, I did want to just say one last thing about the whole Gene Hackman thing, because um, we it didn't come up yet, which is that Bill Murray would like kind of stand up to Gene Hackman. And also he like he was trying to stick up for Wes Anderson. And he would even go to set on days that he didn't have to be there just to kind of try and be like a buffer and calm things down, which I, I thought was really nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's good of him for sure. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why Wes Anderson continues to use Bill Murray in all of his movies. And not Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's obviously, he uses his friends, right? In his of course. Films. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, because like quite a few of the people in this cast are in several of Wes Anderson's films. Yeah, he works with a lot of the same people. And your timing for picking this was really great because Wes Anderson's 10th movie is coming out real soon, The French Dispatch, which is one that I will probably go to the theater to see. Yeah, I would like to see it as well. I don't know that I'll necessarily go see it in the theater, but I would like to see it. And Gene Hackman is not in The French Dispatch. (laughs) We should just make that note to our listeners. Great. Bill Murray is in The French Dispatch. Yeah. And so we won't have to recast the French Dispatch in the future, hopefully. (laughs) So I think that pretty much wraps it up for Royal Tenenbaums. Let's take our second break before our final segment. Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. And you should check out some other Alberta Podcast Network shows, such as I Have Some Notes. Join Liam Creswick, Greg Beaver, and Scott C. Bourgeois as they examine Hollywood's most mediocre movies and attempt to rewrite a better film. How could the Man of Steel be less of a man of heel? What could Ghostbusters 2 have done to make Bustin feel good again? What could have made Star Trek Generations a film for a generation? All these answers and more on I Have Some Notes. 
So you can find I Have Some Notes, along with all the other amazing Alberta Podcast Network podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And now back to the show. So it is time for our final segment. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So, Janet, where did you want to put Tony? I cast Tony in the Luke Wilson role as Richie. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, isn't that his name in the movie, Richie? It is. Uh, That's not what I was saying what to. (laughs) (laughs) Because I totally wanted to see Tony in that get... Like, one of the things that I love about this movie is how... (laughs) Is how, like weird and unique each character is Mm -hmm. definitely and like just the get-ups like the (laughs) you know the the wardrobe that they all have and they're just so eccentric and weird like I just love them and Richie is one of my favorite characters in this movie like just his whole look right with the the sunglasses and like the tennis the sweatband around or whatever those <laughs> things are called around his hair and yeah I just wanted to see Tony like as a tennis superstar and like in shorts and just you know <laughs> I love it I love it wearing like those aviator glasses <laughs> I wanted to see Tony in that getup, and I wanted to see him as Richie and see his interpretation of Richie okay I think he would have been a little too old for that role personally, but (laughs) I love it. Uh, I would love to see him with that beard. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. And I don't think he's too old. Tony's in great shape. I mean... Janet, the character is in their 20s. (laughs) Well, this movie is 20 years old, so he would have been in his 40s. I'm pretty sure he would have been in his 50s already at that point, no? No, Tony Danza is Tony Danza's not seventy. No, you're he? right. You're right. No, I don't think he is. No, he's not seventy yet. I'm pretty sure Tony Danza's still in his sixties. Um, so yeah, he'd be in his forties. But I mean, like Tony Danza at forty was like he probably looked like a twenty year old <laughs> when he was forty. Yeah, okay. So fit, like he's so buff. Yes, I could definitely. He could. He has the body he could definitely pass himself off as like a tennis star okay absolutely well i was tell you're gonna laugh at my choice i think based on yours i put him as raleigh st Clair, the bill murray character oh really yeah okay. <laughs> i actually had two i don't know if i've ever done this for the tony danza segment but there was another one that i liked too that i think would have been fun um, and it would have been different with Tony in the role, which is Dusty, the elevator operator who also pretends to be a doctor. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so I think that would have been really fun to see Tony Danza in that role, too. Yeah. Listen, I almost cast him in the Ben Stiller role just because oh I wanted gosh. to see him in that Adidas, <laughs> Adidas warm-up suit. Yeah. I could, that would have been hot. I could absolutely picture him in that red tracksuit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I wanted to see his legs and... So I wanted to see him like in his tennis outfit with like 
Oh yeah, I was. I'm so here for that look <laughs> on Tony. Amazing. Um, there is one thing I forgot to mention before our break, which is the ratings for the movie. Um, on IMDb, this had a 76% from 34 critics, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it had an 81% from 211 reviewers. So yeah, it's it's quite well regarded still to this day, which I think is it wonderful. Is. Yeah, it is. I feel like this movie is. Um, it's a movie that has aged well. Yeah. I almost want to say, like, it's a classic because what it deals with, that's something that family and fraught relationship that he has with his children and, like, those family dynamics, it's just the sort of movie that you watch today and it's still relatable, I guess, maybe. Absolutely. I agree. It's very universal, like, what the themes of the movie are. And it is set in present day because then spoiler alert, when Royal dies at the end, his gravestone does say 2001 for his death. So it is set in the present day, but everybody looks like they're back in the 70s, basically. So I I think that helps not date it in a way in terms of the look. Um, But yeah, yeah, I love this movie. It was fun to watch again. It was the second time I watched it this year. (laughs) And good pick. Thank you. So for next month, I have selected a movie that is available on Disney Plus and hopefully at your local library, too. That's where I grabbed it from. So it's Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. It's a rom-com. And I would like to recast Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) So stay tuned, watch the film, and uh, recast along with us for next month. You can find Repodcasting on all the social media things at Repodcasting. And if you have any suggestions or you want to tell us, you know, your own casting, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. And thank you, Janet, for joining me as always. Thanks, Lucia. Bye. Bye.